Hi, I'm Will. And I'm Mike. And we're both product designers, and you're listening to This TBH, a podcast about product design. This week, we're talking about design systems. We'll be talking to Henri Gousseau about why design systems are important, not just for keeping design consistent, but for exposing more people to design. Gousseau is currently the principal product designer at Wives, and was formerly a design technologist at Memrise. Here's what Gousseau had to say when we sat down to speak with him. Having worked pretty um, extensively on design systems now, are you just as convinced of their value as you were at the beginning? Oh, yeah, that's a really good question. Yeah, I definitely am. But I think that the biggest values that I see in a design system, I think definitely have changed. If you ask about design systems to anyone in the industry, I think the f- one of the first words that comes uh, to mind is always consistency, right? That is like people's definition of a design system most of the time, which even though I still stand by, it feels like it involves so many more words than that, that now I feel already a little bit like, oh, no, that, that's, that's not the first word that I would use, you know? What is the first word that you would use? I mean, the first word that comes to mind is people, right? It's definitely, what do you call it, a known phrase in the design system world, that design system is a people problem, right? It's, it's the only way that the system works is how people interact with it. And the culture of the company and the types of people that are most involved with the shape all the time. So we see that our design system takes shapes as people leave the team, leave the company, enter the company, enter the team, enter the design team. And this heavily shapes what the, how the design system can be successful within that environment. And navigating that is such like a, it's such a more involved process than what I thought design systems would be in terms of just creating consistency, even though creating consistency is one of its main values. I think that the the people challenges of it are, are so are key. So how do you go about thinking about design systems as a people problem as opposed to a design or craft problem? Well, yeah, you need to know the people that are involved. You need to know the, the culture within the design team and on the engineering team. What kinds of profiles do we usually hire? What are their specialties? What are their interests in because sometimes we 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 have had phases of a lot of engineering engagement and design engagement and this goes in 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 waves and it depends on the people that are getting involved at that moment knowing who you're working with i think becomes a very key thing and everyone in the team ends up talking and interacting with so many different people in the company which i think is is a really good thing the fact that you you just need to learn to learn to get to know all these different people and how they work and how they think and and as you as you have experiences with people and you see that there are some things really because individuals are like that and and some because that's how the company culture is you start understanding which are the ways that a design system can be successful in how we interact with people in all fronts in what we offer what we focus on on the processes that we establish and you used to be one of those people, right? And now designers are like your customer almost instead of like the actual customer. Like, yeah. What has that been like transitioning into a position where you are now servicing designers? Like has your opinion of designers changed? And like how do you make sure that you're sort of making the stuff that they need? 
first of all, this was this was definitely one of the biggest upsides of working in a design system team, because like an experience that I had in previous companies was always putting together prototypes of of you know like a a feature that I was creating and testing with people around me, and then being reminded that those were not the real customers; those are company employees. And then I was like, "Okay, I need to set up something bigger. I need to go on the streets. I need to use a system to recruit people." And I was always like, "Ah, oh, but I have so many people around me here, you know." So going to a design system was really satisfying in that sense that. If I wanted to put together something cool or uh, just, yeah, get immediate feedback, people were around me. And that is definitely a really, really good part of working on this. I think like some of the obvious benefits that spring to mind from design systems is, as you mentioned before, like the consistency and it certainly speeds people up as well. But how do you stop a design system from becoming too prescriptive? You know, if we've just got like a menu of things that we can take and, and put together, is there any sort of concern amongst the designers that you work with that that stifles creativity in any way or is that doesn't seem to be a problem? Yeah, we, we've been discussing it. I think that I don't think anyone sees it as a massive problem, but it's definitely a topic that comes up every now and then. Like, is this happening? Are we are we creating what you're saying of like this this environment where, you know, we we don't encourage innovation and how this should be and we have some people in the company that really believe that we we should start mocking things up without any thought of of components and then bring and then reput together that experience using components and using the system so that you're not bogged down by what the system offers but th at the same time there are so, so often there is a way to bring massive value to a feature by rearranging a couple of things using components that creating hard rules about how we start to to control this 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 process i think it's i think it, yeah again it depends so so much on how people how your design team likes to work but yeah i think that we're we're just starting to discuss this and i don't think i know the answer to that what sort of scale do you think an organization needs to get to before design systems become like a must have yeah, I was discussing this with a friend recently. I think starting with something ridiculous and scrappy early, is it, it pays so much more. When I'm putting together a little side project, I put together, you know, just create some variables and try to create, you know, like the, the, the cleanest version of some sort of systematic organization of how you use visual features, for example. That, yeah, I think if something grows, it's it's so much easier to maintain and retrofitting stuff after is, is so painful that I think that starting with anything is, yeah, it doesn't need to be hard at all. I imagine there's a lot of people that are using design systems already without even realizing it. I think because it has become sort of like quite a trendy word recently, I think we're all used to things like style guides and brand books and things like that, but it's just sort of a way of formalizing something that has existed sort of tangentially to user interface design, I suppose, like we're all sort of familiar with it. When did you first become familiar with design systems? I'm not sure. I think, yeah, it probably came to my attention with the whole framework community where I was like super active a few years ago. And I, I grew to really like, I mean, I was obsessed with the tool when, when they came up, uh, when they came out with Framer X and it was focused on design systems. 
I think it was already, I already knew that design systems were cool back then, but I, I don't think I had got that it was absolutely the thing for me, you know? But yeah, I think it was, it was probably through Framer, yeah. What is it about the way that you like to design that you sort of knew that design systems was like for you? Is it just, as you were saying, it's that immediate feedback? Is it sort of that focus on craft? What is the appeal? I think that a lot of it comes from the fact that I really like coding and the fact that when you code, you need to like train your efficiency, the ways that you pay attention to efficiency and, and, because it makes things so much, so much more maintainable. And I mean, that's, that's how you build code, right? You need to create abstractions and avoid repeating yourself and, and all that. And I think because I was developing those things always sort of together. So I always felt like, you know, I was an okay designer and an okay developer. I always ended up, you know, blending those things together. And I think the design systems in a lot of companies end up coming from an en engineer that is very designery or and the other way around, right? I think that, yeah, like when you enjoy thinking about those systems, as soon as I started working on this, I, I felt like all these activities are really satisfying me professionally and, and, you know, creatively. And yeah, it was really nice. Yeah, I definitely get that. I used to do a lot of front end development. That's sort of like how I snuck into software development was doing front end. And I've recently switched from Sketch to Figma and I'm really enjoying auto layout and all that sort of stuff. And it's just like, it's just Flexbox, you know, I'm basically writing CSS at this point. And I, I imagine there's a lot of designers who are like, would make great front end developers without even realizing it at this point. But it definitely scratches that same itch, right? Like I get immense satisfaction from like having a component that you can scale in any which direction and it always looks great. There's something so fun about learning a re interpretation of flexbox in a visual way and yeah i think even though you know like it, it takes everyone some getting used to remembering where everything is and how do you get exactly the effect that you want especially people that are not doing this every day but when you get it, it yeah it's really satisfying i always think about design systems as being for more senior designers kind of for two reasons i feel like you need to one have faced the problems that design systems solve yourself, right? In order to create tools for designers, you kind of have to understand the problems that designers come across in their day-to-day -day life. And then also just through that pure anger, like I remember having to design on Photoshop and that was hell. And so understanding how design systems can come in and help and make that process so much better, I think requires an understanding of that process and how it's broken in the past. How do you feel about that? Or do you think junior designers can just as easily get stuck into design systems straight away? I see what you're saying in terms of, of senior, but because I, but I think that's because usually people with more experience in the industry have more time to find their passion, but not, but yeah, but I don't think in a sense that you need to be in a senior level to, to be valuable to a design system team because, uh, yeah, we we have seen people grown interest and just by interacting with us and and getting excited about the problems we were solving without that much experience being designers and engineers and then just learning that they really enjoyed the systematic parts of it and learning the design and engineering things as they went. But yeah, I understand why you said that. Yeah. How big is the team working on design systems right now with you? 
I think we are 12. Wow, that's pretty big. Not many organizations have, well, some organizations have teams that large, but... Yeah, I think we have, could it be maybe, yeah, 10 maybe, and then two people that are like peripheral and, you know, honorary members. You must be, you must have a lot of buy-in at the organizational level for them to support it that much. Were you involved in advocating and how did you go about that process if you were? Yeah, I think part of part of our work is re-advocating as we go, not, but not in a way that, yeah, not, not in not in a way that we need to go out of our way to say, hey, 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 don't kill us. Because like you said, obviously we ended up with a, with a, with a team of 12 people and mm. yeah, and, and people see our value. But yeah, but I think answering like more simply, I don't think I did a lot of that because when I got in, there was already an, a, an arrangement of people trying to figure this out and they just didn't have enough people in the company to to put in a fixed team for that and, and, and start that. But yeah, but when I started, there were already two people dedicated to this full time. And then, and then we kept bringing more and more people. So, uh, it's more that, like I said before, we're seeing a growing interest in us measuring more stuff. And this is one of our focuses now, but yeah, but I think we've been quite, quite well supported for, for many years now. Obviously, one of the big uh, users of, of your work is going to be the designers at WISE, but I imagine that you probably have to interact with the developers and the engineers quite a lot as well. Can you speak to what that relationship is like? Yeah, it's it's really, really healthy. I think that the designs, a lot of the design system interest there was started by engineers in in all the different platforms. There were, you know, voices and, and people pushing for this. And I think there, there was some interest in design, but I think it, it was mostly driven by engineers and, and starting to bring in designers. And then now we've, we've all sort of blended together. But yeah, we, we have contributions from all sizes. We have people that always contribute, people that are pushing changes to the system and getting reviews all the time. Uh, every now and then we need to discuss the details of things and we, we figure it out to them. So I think it's, it goes quite well. So you talked about engineering almost instigating this sort of push towards using design systems. And like, you can totally understand why, because they, they almost bypass design, right? And they're working more closely with design systems. You're sort of matching, mirroring those components. Do you think at a larger level, like an industry level, this push towards design systems has come from engineering? Interesting. Yeah, because a lot of the voices, a lot of the main voices seem more from a design background, right? I'm not sure. I think that from the companies that I've worked in, it's always, I've always heard about this push. Yeah, but actually, now that I think about it, maybe the push from the engineering side was more towards design system as what we know it should be. And from the design side, there was always... Uh, not always, but like in different levels, interest in figuring out, okay, how are we going to be consistent, right? Like this is not something that uh, is abnormal even before we started discussing design systems, right? Right. So I, I think that maybe when I say that the push is common to be more from the engineer side, it's more to like, hey, design systems is a thing. Let's do that thing, right? Uh, yeah, maybe it's more like meeting in the middle. Like I was saying earlier, I think a lot of people are familiar with style guides, and I think they were just kind of like, it's a PDF, you know, if you want to make a new one, you've got to re-export it or whatever. And now 
I suppose, engineering have given us the tools to scratch our own itch. And now we have this, like, our own thing that we can work on. Sometimes I worry, do you think design systems sort of, is it becoming navel-gazing at any point? Or do you think, like, this is where we need to be right now? Ah, I see. I see. Where uh, maybe we're, we're paying so much attention for what we think the design system should be that we're not offering the value that the product teams actually need? Maybe. I mean, maybe it's just that sort of design is starting to reach this point of maturity and we're making tools for ourselves or like working with engineering to sort of satisfy the things that we that we probably needed for a long time. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure that's where you were going, but I think that there is definitely a lot of common parts of design systems that keep being replicated everywhere and we don't need to do that. That is a bit silly, I think. There needs to be, there's so much that people are discussing about standardizing how we talk about design tokens and, and things like that, that is, is all like mapping to these different tools. And it's just like, it's sort of auto layout on Figma, right? You're just describing what another technology also did and how Framer is going to implement their version of auto layout is slightly different and has a few different concepts. And and this is only on on the the build process, right? How are you going to map properties from design to developer? How that communication is going to be? But this also applies to components. There is a lot of, of component behavior that we're all describing in almost the exact same way in different places. Yeah, it's, it's a challenge because if you are a company and you decide to uh, start using another design system, then you need to deal with the fact that the direction of that design system is unpredictable. And, you know, who is supporting it? Can we take control of it? And then you end up forking it, and, you know? So right now, I think, I, I don't think anyone has the answer for how do we stop repeating ourselves in every other company? that is doing the same thing, but I feel like that's sort of where we are now. It feels a little bit meta, right? We were talking about the value of design systems being consistency. And now we're talking about how there needs to be consistency between the systems that ensure consistency. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that there should. I am just saying that, yeah, but it comes from the same place. Right? I just feel that it's unfortunate that we're you know, like brains are wasting their time figuring out the same stuff, you know? Mm. Uh, it's just a little unfortunate that we we are not all pushing to uncover new boundaries, you know, rather than rediscovering the same wheel, you know? I guess that comes with maturity. If you look at anything like tapes, right? Like VHS versus Betamax, like it sort of takes a while before everyone re agrees what the right way of doing things is. Right. Um, but earlier you touched on design tokens. And I've been thinking about this recently, that the line between engineering and design has always been kind of fuzzy. And I feel like it's starting to sort of solidify and crystallize. And now there's kind of, there's this land grab that's emerging. It's like all this stuff in the middle, like how much of that is the concern of the designer and the engineer and things like design tokens for me, that it sort of feels like that no man's land is like getting filled in. Like, what do you think the significance of that? Of who, who takes ownership of that? Yeah. Should designers be concerned with making sure that they've got their fingerprints on these sorts of things, or should we just sort of leave this to the engineers? Yeah. In our team, I think that the people that get the most interest, the people that become the most interest in these topics are the people that design and code. 
So these are the people that gravitate into uh, that area and maybe not formally, right? So designers that are not fantastic holders and engineers that don't have years of experience as designers. But like I said before, I think we ended up blending together a lot, even though we have, you know, different tasks day to day. There is a lot of opinion on both sides of things. And if you're a designer that has more opinion about how we should code or how we should structure things, those are the people that usually end up working on the topics that are right on the edge, because then they can jump in and code a little bit of the connection of the GitHub repo with Figma and, and things like that. You know, I think that's uh, usually the design system naturally gravitates people that are interested in both sides. And then those people solve those problems. So maybe it's less a case of design sort of jockeying for control over these things with engineering, but that's just what design systems is, right? Like that's the thing that slots in into no man's land. But then I've sort of throughout my career, I've always been told like designers who code are unicorns. Like, are there a bunch of unicorn farms everywhere? Like are unicorns a lot more common than they used to be? Uh, no, no, but I really, I really believe in what I was saying at the end there about people that have heavily grown interest without a lot of demonstrated, you know, uh, uh, skill that would be uh, a cold unicorn. I do think that there's a lot of people that are interested, but maybe they weren't or, or like would be interested, but they weren't exposed enough to having a reason to look at code and like trying to understand it. But so even if you don't have a lot of skill, I think if you're exposed to engineering thinking in a in a heavy way, maybe in a design system way, it it triggers interest that also puts people in this in this area. Yeah, for sure. I think there's a lot of tools that sort of meet people in the middle there now. Like we were saying. Auto layout is basically Flexbox. There are loads of designers who are getting comfortable building their own websites with Webflow. Like there's a lot more tools out there that sort of like meet people in the middle rather than like expecting designers to code or expecting like engineers to, you know, care about design systems. So aside from consistency, another benefit of design systems is ensuring quality, right? Instead of having 10 people do the same thing and doing them slightly differently to varying levels of quality, you do it once and you make sure it's great that one time. But when you have multiple people contributing to a design system, you kind of reintroduce that initial problem again, right? Where you have to ensure that what they're contributing is of a certain quality bar. How do you go about that? Yeah, we're, we're discussing this right now. Yeah, there are several components to it. Uh, I think that one of the main ones is having everyone involved, being able to define what quality is for them, because then it's sort of demystifies the word because i think it's it's quite a blurry word and if you just if you just want that then everyone has their own um, interpretation so if you break those down into what is quality for us then it sort of becomes a checklist i think that there's no way that you're ever going to have a checklist of you know all the components of quality and something but maybe you can have a checklist of areas to pay attention to. And then if you if you want to focus on certain things, you can hold crits or ask feedback from people that are very senior on, on those domains. I think that we are now trying to figure out what this list is and what how we can how we can put in words the way we have been critiquing things until now. And yeah, and try to get that alignment across the, the whole design team. Yeah, we're, we're definitely not there yet. 
do you have any examples for you personally not as a team but what's your view of quality and when you produce something are there certain bars certain markers you're trying to hit good question i i feel like i feel like i should have this <laughs> maybe it is something that i need to write myself down i think that one of the things that i end up always end up using in the design system and i think I would hold it for for my work as well is clarity it's i mean i think it's only one component but i think that when you're building digital products it's for me the most satisfying feeling when you can understand how to navigate something uh, and it doesn't mean it always needs to be obvious because sometimes you know uh, getting to that point is the fun part right learning learning what the, the product is is the fun part uh, mm -hmm. in some cases but if you know that you are guiding your the, the the users of what you're creating into something that feels clear where you just feel like the the it's a tool you know it's something that i can use over and over again and i can and it's very responsive and yeah i mean now i'm using different words but anyway uh, i think that the big one for me is clarity yeah i can completely relate to that i am was a contractor for a few years quite a few years and the thing that I kept coming back to with various clients was getting them to focus and think about what is this thing that we're making and how do we make that incredibly clear to your yeah. point, to the people who are using it and how do we communicate that effectively so I can 100% get on board with that. Yeah, it's yeah, it's usually a, a, a way that we steer the conversation when, you know, something is introdu introducing some level of fuzziness you know um it's just like let's 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 not do that let's you know let's make make users feel like their path is wide open how is that relationship with design sort of play out do they request features from you or do you just sort of go away and decide what you think that you should be making for them sort of like is it a two-way process or is it it's fairly one way yeah i would say that both things happen if no one asked us anything we would also pay attention to what's happening because like Michael was saying, there are uh, public plannings, right? So you hear about what other, what other teams are doing and you just pay attention on Slack and you sort of hear that there's something coming and you start seeing some mocks here and there. But besides that, people also do directly communicate with us asking for help or just communicating that we're going to be focusing on that area. So it would be nice if we got this stuff figured out on, on your side as well. And if no one was, was asking anything and we weren't looking anywhere, we also have a very, very large list of things that we want to do. So I feel like we have a lot to do. So it's important that even though you're somewhat removed from like that product work, you've still got to have that awareness because like who knows when like a request is going to come in and you're going to have to jump on it and like understand the research and, and what the customer is looking for and all that. So you can't, you can't sleep on it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we try to pay as much attention as we can while also trying to do our own work. You can find Guse on Twitter, where his username is at Guse. That's all we have time for this week. As ever, please reach out to us and let us know what you thought of this episode, and if you'd like to get involved with the show. You can find us on Triangles, or alternatively on Twitter, at this TBH podcast. See you next time. Bye. Bye.